From Immersive Labs, this is Cyberhumanity. Hello again all, I'm your host Chris Pace. Cyberhumanity is the podcast taking cybersecurity personally, trying to get inside the heads of hackers as well as putting our feet in the shoes of defenders. These podcasts essentially come in two flavours, either us ranting about themes close to the hearts of security types or us chatting about threat and security stuff from recent weeks. And to be honest, no messing around, there's only really one story this week. I'm joined by my very own compromised supply chain, Paul Bentham <laughs> and Ken Breen. Hello. I mean, I know that we use the phrase, unless you've been living under a rock, quite a lot on this podcast. But unless you've been living under a rock, governments, major corporations worldwide are scrambling to see if they too have been victims of a, what's being described by um, some news outlets as global cyber espionage campaign. Um, and we also we know that amongst these victims are government agencies. Um, I think uh, last time I read that uh, 400 of the world's global 500 companies were potentially affected by this. Um, and this uh, is the solar winds uh, compromise. It's being described as a supply chain <laughs> compromise. So this is the InfoSec story that 2020 has been brewing. <laughs> of all the things that have happened in 2020, it have just been like brewing it away. I'm just going to drop this thing Sunday night, just but whilst you're starting to slow down, getting the port and the sherry out, you're just getting, just cruising on into the Christmas season. Kaboom, InfoSec. I've got this. <laughs> but before we get into this supply chain compromise, why don't we answer the question that maybe some of our listeners are also asking, Kev, which is what on earth is SolarWinds? They do a lot of network devices. They run software. They have some tools, some online services. Um, what we're specifically talking about here uh, is their Orion product. Um, so this is a network management solution. Uh, and the idea is in a large organization or, or even some medium or sized organizations uh, where I'm running my enterprise uh, network from my office. So I'm not cloud native. I have servers and I have switches and I have routers or routers. Um, I've got all that. I need a way of managing those uh, in a really simple way. And that's where things like NMS is coming. So the idea is... Uh, I put my network management solution, uh, like one server or one appliance, in the middle of my network, and I give that permission to talk to all of my switches, all of my routers, all of my domain controllers, or whatever I want. So if I want to patch all of my Cisco devices, I can just go onto the NMS and say, hey, uh, update all of these things with this patch, and it will go off and do them. Or if I want to add a firewall rule, then I can go on there and say, deploy this out. Or if I want to... Uh, shut down all the servers or check for a process that's running, I can go onto this one place and say, do this thing across my entire network. Um, so that's what this kind of product is. It's highly privileged, sits in the middle of your network. It's, it's like the god. It's like the god of all networks. Uh, yeah, it's, an, it's, it's really interesting because by design, this thing has to be able to talk to everything. So you'll find that like network access controls are just like, oh, you're the NMS. Like, fine, come on in. Um, or like if it's got accounts, it, you're the NMS. Like you need to be able to to have a look at this. So sure, come on in. And I think there's definitely organizations that do this properly 
and there are definitely organizations that do this the lazy way you can absolutely put some fine granular control on the accounts that you give to this thing you could say here's an account that's only allowed to list these 12 things least privilege least privilege however i would expect that most people will go this thing needs to be able to access all this local admin account can do this just give it a local admin account local admin account admin password one two three exclamation mark (laughs) where you go um yeah, so this these things will sit super highly privileged in the middle of your network, and they're noisy because they're always talking to everything. Like they're a perfect target uh, for any attacker, APT or not. You say that about everything. You said that about VPNs. Perfect target. Feels like anything that's involved in your network infrastructure <laughs> is probably a perfect target. Yeah, uh, yeah, there are a great many perfect targets, but I mean, <laughs> uh, this one it doesn't get much better than this. And it's it's ubiquitous as well. So you could have a mixed economy of Cisco and Juniper and Palo gear in your network, but this thing's given access to all of them, and it can just and it controls them all. Yeah, yeah, that's, and it, that's a really cool product. And also really scary. <laughs> it is. Um, and that's why these things are usually like in your network there. The access to these devices should be really tightly controlled. Uh, so whilst they are like a super high target for attackers, it's very unlikely that attackers are going to be able to reach them because they are like security teams will go, hey, that's got everything. Let's look after it. And that's why this uh, was well, probably why we've gone the attackers have gone this route in compromising that product rather than trying to access that product. I mean, I know we're saying it's an APT, but this is proper APT stuff, like going after something hard that's high value. I mean, we saw it like a couple of days ago when FireEye first said that they'd been compromised and they had the red team tool leak and they were going about how it was novel techniques and we were all, yeah, maybe it is, maybe it isn't. Like, actually... Yeah, this is, this is, this is pretty normal. We were all like, we were all ready to go, oh, somebody's compromised a GitHub account with a phishing email, weren't we? We're so jaded to the kind of simplicity of uh, InfoSec pr- problems, cyber leaks, etc. Like, to have a proper one is actually quite exciting. Yeah, but see, some of this comes back to the optics, doesn't it, though? Because, you know, we are, in a way, we were bound to take that view when so little information was given in the initial disclosure by FireEye. So we we shouldn't give ourselves a hard time. If anything, we need to give FireEye a hard time and say, (laughs) hang on, you knew this was related to a particular technique or targeting a particular technology. You had the responsibility to tell us, like, then, at that moment, not wait, you know, two days for your news to die down, and then suddenly this, you know, Solar Winds thing hits. Um, in fact, talking of uh, the name Solar Winds, um, what are the some of the many uh, code names that have been given to this? Then, because I'm sure there are many. Yeah. So, uh, FireEye, obviously, they were the first to, to talk about this, and they have released a lot of information, some really good technical write-ups, some really good countermeasures. Um, but they've they've got a couple of names, so there are several parts to this this whole thing. But the entire thing is called Sunburst, uh, is the name they've gone with. I don't know. It's, it sounds a bit utopian future. It doesn't yeah, sound it's very a bit too happy. Yeah, it's a bit to like me. hey, Sunburst. It sounds like a it sounds like a tube of sweets. Yeah, I was going to say that. Was, yeah, this this whole campaign, the the primary delivery methodology is called Sunburst. But the stuff that falls out of this, we've got Supernova, which is a .NET web shell backdoor. Uh, we've got Cosmic Gale, 
uh, a credential theft. Oh, I see what they're doing here. We've got Teardrop, uh, which is, I think, a backdoor they've, that's been used previously. But oh, yeah. Okay, I was going to say someone didn't get the memo, guys, <laughs> but that one's previously used, so that would be why. Uh, yeah, so uh, Sunburst, Supernova, uh, and Cosmic Gale uh, seem to be See there. what they're trying to do. They're almost trying to make SolarWinds regret ever calling their product SolarWinds. <laughs> <laughs> Still seems a little bit posit- too positive. Like maybe yeah. I'd gone maybe something like Black Hole or like you know something darker supernova <laughs> supernova what's like collapsing what, what's like red dwarf it's or? because i go to the oasis song oh yeah champagne supernova yeah. exactly that's why it's, it's too positive wormhole they would have been good if they'd have done something with a wormhole wouldn't it but you're right yeah black hole or something also dark hole sounds a bit weird <laughs> <laughs> that's a whole different thing <laughs> sorry the situation with FireEye, it's just like, I want to just like, oh, I want to scratch the surface of this one, right? So what's the timeline here? SolarWinds have released a statement uh, of sorts. And what they've said is... <laughs> That's... Ah, uh, that, Kev, come oh, on. Salty, the subtext, Kev. The subtext. <laughs> is it a statement of sorts, is it, Kev? <laughs> they have released some detail. Okay. Um, in this detail, they've said uh, around March uh, time this year, a their build server was compromised. Um, they've said the source code for their application was not compromised, but their build server was compromised. And for a period of a couple of months up until July, a malicious DLL was injected into all of the update packages that were being... I'm so desperate to get into the detail of the exploit, <laughs> but let me just... Can, can we just try and stay on the detail? So if, we, if we're just looking at the timeline, March yeah. is when this first happened. July when was when they say... know about it? They knew about well, it in July. W- well, July? We, we, don't, we, don't, we don't know. All we know is that apparently the APT group were either stopped or they stopped themselves in July. I mean, if you've got that much level of access... So when Would did you... they, when did everybody find out? About three well, days ago. Two days ago. <laughs> right? No, 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 no. But the compromise, the the eighteen thousand customers or whatever, potentially eighteen thousand customers of Solar Winds. When did they find yeah, out? Yeah, about a couple three days, of ago. days ago. What? Whoa, 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 whoa! And fire on uh, you in July? No, 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 no. Okay, so all we know for sure, for absolute certainty, um, is that FireEye several days to possibly a week ago depending on how what their timeline for release was identified some suspicious activity on their network that led to the compromise of their red team tools they did their investigation and identified that a solar winds device was responsible for that compromise so they now know that solar winds was the source of it now we don't know whether they informed solar winds and solar winds hey didn't know about that or whether SolarWinds already had some advance warning. What we do know is that in July, they were infected. That is when the actual compromise took place. After July, there were no further malicious implants. So either the APT group stopped or SolarWinds made some change to infect them. Oh, I see. So they, yeah, okay, got it. But of course, this is the problem, isn't it? Um, The FireEye PR was extremely astute. Um, and one of the things that has been so astute about their PR is the 
appearance of transparency without revealing a number of key details that don't give us the insight that we might need especially if we're if we're one of the hundreds thousands of companies that is at risk of falling victim to this um that's where my these are where my concerns come from it's all very well for FireEye to publish a blog saying we discovered a thing um but they don't give any details around the time frame yet when they're trying to sell you their products all they want you to think about is dwell time yet when it actually comes to finding out the dwell time from them they're not prepared to give us that information and that's why i think everyone has gone so easy on them and we've got people in the community saying oh you know don't be a windbag and bail on fire i'm like hang on if they are failing to share information that can help other organizations protect themselves they are dropping the ball and somebody surely needs to say that not piling on them to say haha they got hacked that's not the point the point is their response should have been about more than just being transparent around the tools or even transparent around the detections, we need to, surely, security professionals and defenders need to understand the timeline, don't they, Kev? Firewright could have turned around when they first did the release and say, part of this compromise uh, that we experienced was through a compromised installation of SolarWinds Orion. So they could have given everybody, what, two, three days worth of heads up to start going and looking. Instead, there were two to three days where the attackers... Uh, arguably still had a significant level of access. And if they knew the game was up, if this was somebody like uh, North Korea, where we've seen them go super mm. destructive, they could have just, like, with this level of access, mm. they could have gone like hyper destructive. Have we got any, I mean, because this, this, is, this is awful, right? I feel I, like there's not many things that really rile me. This is one of those. So did, have we got any evidence that FireEye notified, for example, CISA, CISA notified at least critical mm. national infrastructure providers, other government departments, etc., said, look, two days' time, we're going to be a big release here. You need to know right now that if you're using Solar, uh, we know that you're using SolarWinds, it's likely that it's compromised. Like, you need to, whatever, do whatever, take mitigation action. FireEye immediately notified FBI. FBI took control, so FBI would likely have okay. started that. So FireEye said they've they informed the FBI as soon on as on day were... one in this, and then they did two days of PR, and then they they didn't say which day. They just said when they became aware, they made they informed the FBI. Mm. Have we seen any evidence that other Sailor Winds customers started ripping out the gear or? patching whatever solution you're supposed to take i mean there was a fairly large google outage where if you want to rampantly speculate that google was ripping out solar winds <laughs> when they went down but that was t- that, that was, was after the announcement <laughs> so like if google yeah. didn't if google are using solar winds really i probably they, not <laughs> surely they homebrew their network management we've seen a lot of organizations we've seen a lot of defenders like scrambling uh to start investigating stuff so most people didn't get any heads up. Uh, and like we've just been told the Treasury Department, like they, they were compromised. So um, that, did they get heads up? Like It seems that they came in two separate threads. So FireEye said we're compromised. Then somebody else reported the Treasury was compromised. And then I think it was AP who said, or I think it was somebody at the AP who confirmed that it was the same group that was responsible for both. 
So they're kind of like, we didn't get this from FireEye or from SolarWinds. We got this from somebody else. And then uh, SolarWinds came out with their um, SEC filing. I don't want to get too technical here, but let's just make sure that we've clearly distinguished between um, organizations or customers of SolarWinds who are vulnerable, who total about 18,000, versus the actually compromised um uh, organizations because those two things are slightly different because this thing works in two stages when well, we started explaining a little bit about it kev but very basically there is there is a dll that has been trojanized essentially weaponized as part of solar winds and eighteen thousand. I don't know whether it's machines, instances, customers, whatever, have downloaded and installed that malicious or trojanized DLL. But actually, the second stage of that, which is the actual compromise, um, is a much, much smaller number. Do you want to just talk about that a little bit, Kev? I'd I'd kind of disagree with that. Um, So what happens um, is, so SolarWinds build a pipeline package up there, uh, I think it was a hotfix, and I think ironically this was actually a security hotfix. I think this was uh, a security patch that was being released. Uh, and of course, you would use that, like li- literally, like "Hey, emergency patch, patch, patch." You're not going to do the kind of even the basic MD5 uh, check. Maybe you wouldn't do. It doesn't matter because it would have matched what they said. This this uh, because d- they compromised the build. This DLL build, was yeah. injected as part of the build process. It was properly signed. It was properly packaged uh, and everything. And out popped the other side, which was then uh, checked, validated, and signed because that's what the build was. So yeah, no, like everything, everything would have come out clean. So that DLL uh, was part of that package. So everybody who, uh, so I think from there, like the from however thirty three thousand or whatever it was. Uh, 18,000 customers had an active account that would have like received this update in real time, whatever. So those 18,000 uh, installations were immediately compromised the second they installed it. As soon as that installs, uh, there's a period of 12 to 14 days and that malware connects back home. You are now compromised. Like whether lateral movement has happened, whether second stages have happened, you have been compromised with a piece of malware on the inside of your network that's highly uh, placed. But there's a di- there is surely a difference between that and being a target. There is like you're talking about the automated, like the amount of automation up to the point of the most automated thing that it can do. But surely that doesn't mean that every one of those eighteen thousand instances is now being you know actively attacked by whoever this group is uh no and the thing we do know um from the details that's been released this was a very very targeted uh, this is hands-on keyboard this is zero malware this is an operator going in like manually enumerating pivoting and exploiting through your network so uh, they won't have had enough operators in order to be able to do everything at once they would definitely have been selective about those callbacks and in fact, there's a really interesting thing in there, uh, which I'll get to in a second. Uh, but they would have looked at all of those IPs that are calling back and said, right, who are you? And inside this DLL file, uh, there is a check to see whether it's being installed in Microsoft's network. And if it's going into Microsoft, it will absolutely not try and connect back. It will just operate as normal. That is insane. 
um, this thing was deliberately designed not to beacon, not to do anything if it detected that it was inside a Microsoft uh, IP range. What? Why do you think that is? Is that because Microsoft are the best defenders? I mean, the Microsoft security team is a very professional, arguably FireEye the same, but uh, I would suggest that um, maybe Microsoft have a level of like reporting or a level of analysis of all of their stuff that they might have been able to see this easier. It's just weird, isn't it? I mean, because I'd have put other customers, I'd have other companies on that list, not just Microsoft, like whether it be Google, Apple, you know, et cetera. Did you think that they knew that Microsoft were a Sailor Winds customer and therefore it's possible that they would end up in their network? I honestly don't know. All I know is that there's a set of IP ranges, which if it detects, um, it does nothing, and part of those IP ranges are looking for sandboxes for automated analysis, but some of those are looking for it coming out of a Microsoft IP range. It could be for other reasons. It might be saying that uh, maybe like there's some automated analysis that happens, like some sandboxes or honeypots that are running, and it's trying to avoid those. I don't know. All I know is it's very selective about that. But to get to your Chris point, sorry... Um, um you're absolutely right so this thing is very very hands-on they're not using malware they're using like lol bins so to that point it is very unlikely that every single one of those eighteen thousand actually had actions performed on them and this is the thing is it so again this now comes back to um effective terminology to help us understand what we're actually talking about um because there is a difference between you know, you know, as you've said, vulnerable to compromised to, you know, what comes after hands on keep hacked, breached, like bre- maybe breached is, you know, the exfiltration of data is that is perhaps the distinguishing line that we need to draw. lateral movement is a distinguishing line that we need to draw. I don't know. Um, but I just think it's interesting that the con- for me, the context feels more like 18,000, you know, um, machines, customers, whatever, potentially vulnerable, but actually um, those highly um, valuable and very carefully targeted organizations like, you know, U.S. um, Department of Commerce, the U.S. Treasury, um, FireEye, you know, and the and the other perhaps um, shortlist away from the long list. Um, those are the things that we really care about. And there's all kinds of other names being bandied around and the poten- potentially the huge impact of this. The Department of Defense um, being one, I was reading an article earlier today um, where they were talking about the potential ramifications for uh, the Department of Defense if those systems have been um, accessed by a, a nation state actor, which it seems that they have. I think the thing for me is that I'm seeing a lot of people say that this is a vulnerability in solar winds like that's absolutely not what this is this isn't a bug or a flaw this is a very deliberate action by the part of the attacker to put code into this this isn't a vulnerability that can be exploited this is malware being injected into that supply chain and that's a really important distinction and a point of clarity on what i just said about the um about the department of defense also on that list of solar winds customers department of homeland security um and also the FBI, the Department of Justice. FBI, CISA, but there's speculation that it's almost anybody. CISA have pushed an executive order. Is it an executive order? This is a, um, CISA Emergency Directive 21-01. And one of the things in there, it explicitly calls out that you are not to install an update released by SolarWinds until CISA have told you you can. So SolarWinds have 
they've got they've pushed updates that would remove this um or basically overwrite it but caesar have turned around and said like under no circumstances are you to install any update coming from solar winds until such time as we tell you it's safe well what's interesting about that then of course is that caesar is saying that we don't trust solar winds to have purged the attacker from our network so we're not just doubling down but also i wonder if they're looking at the forensic side of it to try and find out what um what's happened and that they don't want to uh patch it so they can see what's going on well that was a question that i wanted to ask which was way back to the you know that this dll this dll has been inserted slash compromised slash i don't know how you whatever however you want to describe it kev um and i've seen very little context before those words how does that happen there there has to be a suggestion that either a malicious insider or access was gained in some other way already which means that solar winds were either already hacked and then that hack was used in order to compromise the the build of the the build of the software so i'm really interested in trying to understand how that possibly could have happened and evaded detection for that amount of time this is the bit we have the least amount of information on exactly how this happened so rampant speculation on its way (laughs) exactly what we like the whole point of this podcast perfect if it was me um if i was doing it's a phishing email it's a phishing email (laughs) isn't it come on no no paul business email compromise business email compromise sorry uh if it was me this is a perfect way of doing it so uh, if I was to, so I break into the organization, uh, and that could be in one of several ways. It could be phishing email, uh, it could be through compromise of a VPN, it could be um, crowbar in the back door. Crowbar in the back door. There's lots of ways you could get in. USB sticks in the car park. Yeah. Ooh, 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 ooh. Extortion. Blackmail. Blackmail. Yeah. Blackmail. Let's go blackmail. So you've blackmailed somebody to give you their creds. We had a story like this before. Um, do you remember about Tesla? Maybe this was ah, how Tesla, it all happened. Yeah, the guy, the guy on, on the, the plane. plane. The guy came on the plane from Russia. They were going to pay him a million dollars to to hack Tesla. I think this is exactly what happened. Malicious insider all the way. That's it. So that's what it is. So we've got a blackmailed insider acting under duress, but maybe for some money one way or the other. So I want to... Like, SolarWinds itself as a target, like, not that good. However, I know that it's got far-reaching into some customers that I want to get into. DHS, FBI, FireEye. So I'm like, all right, so I want to compromise the supply chain. So I want to compromise that software. Now, most people would go, hey, just put something into the source code. uh, And then that's going to go in. But that's where your developers sit. Your developers are going to be reviewing that code. Uh, they're going to be looking through it. They're going to be changing it, modifying it. It's going to be kind of easy to spot if somebody just submits a PR that suddenly changes the several thousand lines of code. Build server, though. That build server that's automated, that's been set up two years ago to automatically just fetch code from the source repo, build it, tick to say it's built completely and ship it out the other side if i can put something in there now i'm under something and i think what they've probably done uh, so build servers uh typically running what they call stages so it will prepare an environment it will compile the application um compile the second part of the application bundle the application together sign it with digital certificates and pick it out so there's lots of different stages uh, and pipelines so if i just pick something in there like towards the end and i say hey just replace that dll file with this dll file um and then package it on the way out 
that's really really difficult to see uh that's very hard to find and even know that it's happening do we have other examples of this kind because this this is obviously like you said this is not um they have a vulnerable you know code is but it's not like saying your installation's vulnerable and needs to be and something needs to be patched this is saying the 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 software itself has been weaponized and then downloaded by all of the organizations that, that that use it. Do we have other examples of this having happened before? Is this unique? No, uh, there aren't many of these. Um, uh, a big name that you might remember, uh, NotPetya. Oh, yeah. This is the one that got Maersk, was it? Yes. Uh, that's exactly what NotPetya was. A uh, smaller distribution, uh, that was a... Oh, where was it? An accountancy. It's an accountancy thing in Ukraine. It was the, just the software. That, that was one podcast I did some research for. And <laughs> and they and uh, it was a compromised build, and it was on that particular one machine. And that, in Maersk's example, there was only one user had been given permission to install that particular software, but that was enough of a um, a toe a toe hold for full full compromise of Maersk's systems. Yeah. So there's that one. Um, Bad Rabbit, I think, was another one. Um, that was pretending to be something it wasn't. There have there, been a handful. I could probably count on two hands the number of like really successful. Mm. I mean, we could always go to the uh, the Bloomberg article from a couple of years ago, uh, where the uh, manufacturing supply chain was compromised to inject a chip that <laughs> yes. size of a grain of rice. That's right. Will we ever forget the words a ch- <laughs> Im- implanting a chip the size of a grain of rice? And we were all like, we were all nodding away sagely <laughs> in the info security. Yes, yes, that's definitely possible. Wow. Oh, this is huge this is guys this is massive um, but no it feels like uh solar winds might actually be yeah uh, massive so um, what i don't understand about this right so you've built a, i don't really understand how this is working under the hood so i've built most of my application so the application has to work so that's the first thing when when you put it on the build server i've got to make sure it actually works because then the game's up straight away the attackers have compromised the build with a they've adjusted amended a dll how i this is the bit that kind of doesn't make sense to me because it's hard to stick a random dll into a build and make the build still work how did they get did they get the source code and then do the like what's happened so there's a couple of things at play here so one if you've got enough if you're on the build server you've got access to the source code which means they could have pulled the source code for the legitimate DLL file. Uh, that's absolutely the thing they could do. This thing's... You know, if that was my engineering team, say, Kev, that would have taken them months. <laughs> Are you sure you want this to be published? I'll, we'll find out if they listen. <laughs> <laughs> this is also written in a language called .NET, uh, which is uh, fairly trivial uh, to recover back a semblance of the source code, and you can recover it that way and then recompile it. But they're on the build server, so they could actually just... Uh, take one of those pipelines so they've got on the build server they've got the source code they've taken it back home they've sort of amended it compiled their dll it's exact it's matched everything they've stuck it back in it, this is quite impressive like because that window that build server is automated so every time a piece of code is changed it will rebuild and you choose whether to release or not but it happens on every single every single run so i take that dll file which is tens of thousands of lines of code and i put in about two or three thousand lines of code so and this code is really really well written um like there have you seen the source code i've yeah i've seen it uh we've i've got a copy of it um and oh oh well let's just pause there for a moment 
Kev, explain <laughs> how you have a copy of it. Um, are you a PT29? I am not. <laughs> Kev, are you a cosy bear? <laughs> I am not a cosy bear. So obviously here at Immersive Labs, we want to try and build the lab around this. We want to get some fun with it. Blah, uh, blah, blah, blah. Um, so I was like, great, I need to get a copy of this. That, that was Kev doing marketing, everybody. Bloody, <laughs> bloody, blah, blah, blah. We need to do a lab, bloody, bloody, blah. <laughs> anyway, back to the cybers. Great, I need to get a copy of the sample. So um, there's some lots of IOCs. I've got URLs. I can start running those. And I was like, uh, the report, reading through the FireEye report, looking for the IOCs, it says, this is the URL on Soluin's website where uh, it was hosted. I was like, okay copy paste oh that's just downloading oh that's the (laughs) wow not that they discovered part of their massively ubiquitous software had been compromised and weaponized by an incredibly effective nation state actor and then that news was global news for the last three days you'd have thought oh should we guys should we roll back (laughs) should we roll back Oh, no, this probably isn't me. This is probably Bob's. It's probably Bob's. Bob deals with the website. I'll let him worry about it. <laughs> Bob's on holiday. Uh, yeah, we. it was really easy uh, to get a, a copy of this implant uh, in it, in its state as well. So exactly where it sat in that package and things like that. So you can see uh, the check the signature and the hashes. And uh, like... Was it a hot fix, Kev, as well? So it's like an old version. It wasn't like the latest. Was it the last patch you'd have applied? Or was it like you had to have patched like version 2.1 subset? beta 4 or whatever uh so this is solar winds core 2019.4.5220 hotfix 5 was that the last patch though that you'd have installed uh no there will have been more since then uh, but this is a hot fix so you could i don't i honestly don't know enough about solar winds patching strategy to know if you'd have patched on top of it would it have gone or actually would it have still persisted what i do know in fact so this 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 package is 290 something meg it's got a lot of stuff in there so in it overwrite so if you've patched something after the fact uh it could have removed it uh after if you if you've got a patch that's come out or if you installed it afterwards from a clean source can i ask another question about what happens now in the context of detection and stuff so imagine if my edr or my antivirus is now going to detect this thing is that going to stop solar winds working so basically if it, if it detects that that dll is it's, it's trick difficult isn't it but if it's saying that dll is malicious is it going to stop solar winds from functioning properly to some degree yes and i hmm. i don't know enough about like how intrinsic this dll file is to the rest of it uh what i do know is that it'd be fairly easy to like switch it out for a clean version just switch out that one file the doubt obviously the big danger there is you don't know what other we don't know what else happened to that box so just mm. just replacing that infected dello with a clean one doesn't mean that your box is necessarily clean and no longer compromised this is this is when you really like earn your money as an infosec pro isn't it so okay i'm sitting there i've got a solar winds installation it was the compromised version and that dll was present now i've got to go and try and find out i've got to prove a negative i've got to prove that my system it'd be better in fact that your fire eye or treasury or somebody else and you, and go, you know you were compromised yeah you know you were compromised like the the the, the worst situation is 
it could have been compromised and you're there you spend the next six months trying to find out whether they wear in or not that is and we as we have just described probably 400 of the world's global 500 companies Incredible. now that this stuff is all in the open how exploitable is it by other threat actors it's not it only works with the other infrastructure i guess i mean this thing is beautifully constructed to to stay silent the network traffic is designed to look almost identical to legitimate orion traffic uh it uses legitimate orion config files to store parameters in the same way that the actual application does Um, the code is not obfuscated it's written in the same syntax and style as everything else they had plenty of time sat in their network to collect all that information didn't they (laughs) (laughs) that's incredible you're saying that the source code follows the same syntax and stylistic guidelines again not to rain on my engineering teams but i've not seen engineering teams (laughs) in the same company that are paid to do that keep that level of consistency uh namespaces like naming function naming like parameter function calling it matches it is incredible if i didn't have the fire i report it would be incredibly difficult to actually recognize these things just by looking at them. Like you'd have to go deep. So oh, you don't you don't just scroll through all that code and go, oh, here's the dodgy Russian bit where they've put in some malware. There are some domain names which we know are comprised, which it does first speaking out to. There's also a DGA in there, so a uh, domain generation algorithm that uses uh, strings that look like AWS region names. So uh, this this whole thing is designed. Um, to mimic real network activity, to mimic real domain names, uh, and just like hide uh, legitimate SSL certificates, like proper TLS, like one point three. We're not like baby shaking here. Like signed DLLs. It is honestly, it is so well thought out. I love how much respect you have. Yeah. So, so this is this is this is where the A uh, the A in APTs come from. Like the- uh, we haven't even talked about like lateral movement, second stages, like post compromise actions, cleanup. Like it's just this thing is huge. This is properly advanced stuff. You've you know you've got people aren't just messing around with this. They've spent some time. They're quality engineers. They've implemented it properly, and you know they've got the the payback interesting um to your point previously um that they've removed the customer list of course what we know uh from you know the rest of the noise like whether the the apts are not going to need the customer list because they know but for the rest of the noise you can just imagine all the phishing uh scammers in the world crafting their little cute emails hey dear Sailorwinds customer like please find attach the latest patch <laughs> for your like system like install now like that's what you know not that i am but if that you know if you were then that's the kind of email you're going to be crafting because of the kind of noise and the impact of this this has to be one of the biggest hacks ever hasn't it i don't know if it's the biggest hack ever it's i think it's the furthest reaching successful exploit what's bigger bigger? (sighs) i don't know like it depends on your impact if you're talking impact how do you measure it impacted companies Maybe, but then if you look at if you look at something like um, um, you know, if you're thinking about compromised data, volume of compromised data, as opposed to as yeah, opposed true, to true. you know, um, number of 
compromised machines, for example, um, then it's... Or the value, yeah, maybe the value of the data extracted. It's really hard to put, like, a number or a rating against, you know, whether leaking shit tons of PII is better or worse than being surgically (laughs) taken to pieces by the (laughs) Russians. Like, we have to sort of... Again, I feel like the more we have these conversations um, and the more reading I do on Twitter and the more I see the industry mature we still have so much work to do in standardizing so much stuff there is a lack of there's still a lack of standards that help us understand okay me as an organization i can provide kev with the mitigations but that's only one part of the that's only one part of the 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 story that's only one tiny piece of the uh, one tiny piece of the puzzle so my hope is that this just becomes another kind of uh, yeah another piece that helps us begin to move towards much more efficient and effective standards much clearer requirements for disclosure and all that kind of stuff because purely based on pr FireEye share price dropped 3.6%. SolarWinds share price dropped 17%. That is not to do with the nature of the attack. It's not to do with the nature of the compromise. They were both hacked. It's to do with optics and it's to do with PR and it's to do with what is required in that SEC filing. Like, what's the minimum I can get away with giving you? And what's the best job we can do around PR? And FireEye won that battle and SolarWinds lost it. That was ranty. It, it was ranty. Here's an interesting angle that I was just thinking about mid midway through your rant there, Chris, which is the how does this compare from an infosec perspective to the um, disclosures that came out through the Edward Snowden leaks? Which everybody <laughs> knows I'm pretty like grumpy about, but I'm trying to be measured. So, in that situation, those leaks alleged a load of compromises of various bits of networking infrastructure that had gone undetected for some time here we are talking about another nation state actor uh compromising network infrastructure that's gone undisclosed for some time are they similar do you think yeah well what's the so what's the only difference where you sit in the world isn't it goes directly to my rant it's all to do with the narrative if you think about snowden the narrative was owned by the media by snowden and by wikileaks i guess or whichever whichever method it was he chose to make those to make that information available the narrative is being controlled by those who have been compromised so therefore and those are publicly listed companies with you know investors who you know are are um, reliant on those organizations to to make the money that is that's the that's the bottom unfortunately the bottom line is the bottom line so whilst the narrative is controlled by the vic the victim if you like by the attacked so therefore the narrative only tells us the information that it it goes back to the same thing we were talking about last week we you know pr work very cleverly done by FireEye framed the whole story even from now and so i think this is where this is what we lose sight of caught up in all of the tech and all of the coolness and all of the all of that stuff we lose sight of the fact that in the end the winners write the history well it's interesting that you went for that because i I was reflecting as you were talking that the 
the victors writing the history books is something that we've got so used to over you know millennia maybe it's not but, true anymore <laughs> maybe, maybe it's not true anymore like you don't have the cozy bear story like hey like we're you know cozy bear and we did this because of x y and z like you didn't see that from the western governments in the during the snowden they just kept ncnd neither confirmed nor denied throughout the whole thing um well and the same happened with stuxnet and everything didn't it you know that the, the the um the obama administration were not keen on putting their you know on owning up to essentially declaring cyber war on Iran. They weren't interested in owning up to that. That wasn't something that they wanted to, and still to this day will not confirm that they did. But they did, um, and so and so. If we think about that, it's it's kind of it's kind of the same, isn't it? The Russians don't, the, you know, uh, the Russians don't need to, where the cyber espionage or the cyber warfare that they're that they're waging is effective. They don't need to own up to it. They just need to keep doing it. They've said it wasn't them. It's fine. Oh, okay. Oh, well, I'm glad there's been a denial from Moscow because that clears it all up. I think we would see a very different response uh, from Cyber Command today. I think there, if you know, if there was a compromise, I think they are very much more vocal, front-footed. I mean, standard for government moving forward. They, they, you know, they're a bit behind the curve, but now they're on it. I think that you would see a, a, certainly from the US. Uh, agencies a lot more confidence about owning up to this kind of thing okay you say owning up to this kind of thing what's the history that we have that backs up your um your like assertion assertion there the history we have that backs it up is trickbot trickbot is our finance is a financially our financially motivated organized criminal gangs of course you're going to own up to that. You're law enforcement. You're going to own up to attacking that infrastructure and saying, look, we are cyber command. That is very different to saying, oh, yes, that was us that attacked the Russians. Because you know what happens when you put your hand up and say, yes, that was us that attacked the Russians? The Russians, the Russians are going to attack you. Well, OK, well, I'm going to put it the other way around, though. If you're sitting there in the situation room in the White House and you've just seen 400 of the world's biggest uh, 500 companies compromised, and the majority of which are US... He's not in the situation room, he's on the golf course. Well, okay, <laughs> but his deputy or the generals, US Cyber Command, like, if you're sitting there, you are the only superpower, only remaining world superpower, quote-unquote, like... You're going to sit there and let your companies, your your government departments be compromised and not hit back? I don't think so. Gosh, we have talked about a lot. Um, so can I just uh, ask each of you for your sort of final, your final thoughts? I've got two things. Uh, one, least privilege on anything that sits in the middle of your network and talks to everything, like those network management solutions, least privilege. Do they need to be talking to the internet? If not, don't let them. And to anybody who's in a same predicament of solar winds um look at your devsecops cicd pipeline uh make sure you're including those build stages as part of your security don't just look at the hey my code's got a vulnerability in it but consider that entire pipeline uh because it is a key place for an attacker to go to as we've seen yeah i guess i i'm gonna wrap wrap this up with the thought about how on earth you even begin to mitigate against these kind of compromises that you've done everything right as an organization. You've put network monitoring, you've kept it patched and up to date. You, you get it from a legitimate server and you're still compromised. And like that just blows my mind. The idea that that is 
you know, you could be so good. This isn't like schoolboy error stuff in on behalf of the companies that have been compromised. This is just actual properly compromised and you'd, you know, sort of just got to sit down and take your hat off to them. And on a slightly less serious note, because like, it's unusual for me to make serious notes, on a slightly less, uh, serious note, there must be a server in Siberia somewhere with it's an absolute treasure trove of documentation. <laughs> and Try and hack that. Now, so everybody, <laughs> go find that one and let's hack that one, because then it's going to be incredible. There'll be all the Donald Trump compromise videos, there'll be all the, like, where, where all the flat earth evidences of moon landing, you know, it's going to be beautiful. Let's go for that you know really the winners don't need to write history anymore because um they've got all of our data (laughs) and on that bombshell we will come to an end if you've enjoyed this podcast please do subscribe rate and comment wherever you get your audio content and if you want to know more about immersive labs you can find us at immersivelabs.com or follow us on twitter at immersive labs until next time from all of us goodbye goodbye goodbye